And here we go. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson and Dawson Wise. Thank you so much for joining us on this Friday afternoon as we are swag surfing into the weekend and uh, getting ready for a big weekend in the NFL, the AFC Championship, the NFC Championship, Super Bowl on the line. Who will get it done? Well, we've got the the answers for you in our upcoming segments on this hour as we'll cover both games in this hour. Um, So let's get right into it. The Kansas City Chiefs will head to Baltimore to take on the number one seeded Ravens in the AFC Championship game on Sunday. The battle will present two of the top quarterbacks in the league in Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes who are meeting in the playoffs for the first time ever. Jackson and Mahomes have met four times in their careers, however, with the Chiefs going 3-1 and one in those matchups. And Jackson's lone victory, however, uh, came when Baltimore was the home team, which they will be again on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, despite a 2-3 and three playoff record, uh, Jackson is coming off easily the most impressive playoff performance of his career uh, with a 34-10 route of the Texans in which he completed 72.7% of his passes, uh, scored four total times, and hit 100 yards on the ground as well, all while controlling the ball, no turnovers, his best performance. Absolutely. A r- really big bounce back for him. Because one of the things we talked about last week was, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess last week, uh, was is Lamar Jackson able to get it done um, in the playoffs because we haven't really seen that from him. One in three going into that game against the Texans. Halfway through that game, that question was still lingering. That second half, they were dominant, and it was a lot in doing part to what Lamar Jackson was able to do. So let's start with Lamar. What is at stake for Lamar on Sunday? Not nearly as much as was at stake last week. Yeah, uh, I think he took a lot of pressure off of uh, his his playoff resume by winning that game last week. Uh, now, you know, you just got an opportunity to build on it. Uh, you get an opportunity to play a perennial AFC Championship team in Kansas City, uh, and not only that, but on your home field. Uh, I don't think many quarterbacks are going to get the opportunity to play on their home field against Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So you got to take advantage on Sunday if you're the Ravens, because uh, you cannot expect to have this opportunity again. A uh, rare down year for Kansas City in the Mahomes yeah. era. Uh, play well in front of your home crowd. There's not going to be as much pressure. You're not playing in Arrowhead. You know, you're playing in front of a crowd you've been very good in front of this year. They've been a very good team at home, like beyond good at home. Um, and this is arguably in his best season. This is lining up to be a huge opportunity for him. Uh, at this point in this kind of season, though, you do get the expectation that, well, we're going to go all the way. We're going to win a championship. They won a lot of games this year. Yeah. Uh, so that expectation is still there, but there's not nearly as much on his shoulders as there was last week. And for our viewers that, and listeners that listened to our last segment, T. Martin is the quarterback coach for Lamar yes, Jackson, as, as Patrick just chimed in. We talked about yesterday on the phone with Bruce as well. Um, we were mentioning the players uh, from Tennessee playing this week. And so a great tidbit there from Patrick. Uh, uh, to me, I, I think what's at stake for, for Lamar is solidifying himself as a premier quarterback. Yeah. I think he's uh, proven himself this year. Um, but in the playoffs is where you really crown yourself as a, as a top-tier quarterback. Joe Burrow had to do it. He made it to a Super Bowl. Uh, Josh Allen, we've seen com- con- consistent uh, success in the playoffs, even though he can't get by Mahomes, and obviously we know Mahomes is. Um, so think of your, your best quarterbacks in the league. A lot of them uh, have, have at least solidified themselves in the playoffs and big games. And I think Lamar has the opportunity to now be like, okay, hey, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. He wants to get on that criteria now, and I think that's what he has at stake on on Sunday. Um, It's not more so the pressure. I don't think he has any pressure anymore. I think he just has the opportunity to – 
to kind of take up another notch, yeah. you know. Um, so I think him being that next great quarterback in the league is kind of at, at stake in this one. Now, yeah. um, the Ravens rank first in defensive DVOA and have only allowed 16.1 points per game to opponents this season in tremendous numbers. They've been great. Um, that unit allowed only 74 completions of 15 or more yards during the regular season as well. That's fifth fewest in the league. Uh, the Ravens were also second in the NFL in points scored with 28.7 points per game, ranked fourth in offensive DVOA, and have nine 14-point victories over winning teams this season, which is the most in the NFL. And they were uh, eighth in red zone efficiency this season, scoring a touchdown on 62% of their trips inside the 20. All those numbers just categorize how special and how good this Ravens team is on both sides of the ball. Uh, what are the keys for the Chiefs to be able to counter this Ravens juggernaut? Uh, well, it starts with, and we say this all the time, run the ball effectively. Uh, I think that's uh, one of the reasons we saw their offense work so well in Buffalo is that Pacheco and Clyde edwards Elair were able to get chunks of yards on every every time they touched the ball, it seemed like. Um, and then that's where you see that Chiefs offense really march down the field, which is what we're used to out of a Mahomes offense. So I think it all starts getting the run game going, making the Ravens respect the run game um, so that you're not one-dimensional as, a, as an yeah. offense, um, which we saw it several times this year that stalled their drives when Mahomes had to just go do it all and his run game wasn't working his receivers weren't working well for him uh, he was having to do it all and their offense was not working so start by running the ball convert when you get opportunities I think coming away with dry, uh, from drives with seven points mm-hmm. uh, is ultimately what won them the game in Buffalo first of all um, they got down there and when they got down there they scored mm-hmm. uh, they did not often get held to three or even zero in the red zone so yeah. convert when you get those opportunities I think that's going to be huge as well uh, and the final one is just give Mahomes a chance to be Patrick Mahomes don't make mistakes no costly penalties uh, you know no drop passes if you can help it his receivers have obviously had their problems this year Mm -hmm. Um, but just play well enough around Mahomes play a clean game to let him go do what he does best and that's win big football games yeah Um, and if you can do that it's a big recipe for success on the road yeah, to me, I, I think it's dialing up pressure for Lamar Jackson. Now, we saw the Texans do that last week, but I think that the, the Chiefs can take a little bit away from the, what the Texans did and alter it a little. Uh, if I were the Chiefs, I'd run cover zero pressure uh, and, and just blitz the crap out of them uh, to where you're now forcing Lamar to make these quick decisions and you're eating up the run lanes and scramble lanes uh, if he wants to get out. And I think if you put that kind of pressure on him quickly, then you're now forcing Lamar, okay, beat us with your arm. You've proven you can do it, but now you got to make these decisions so much yeah. quicker and, and, and man coverage as well. So I think if you put a sense of urgency and quickness on Lamar Jackson at home where he's going to be comfortable, that's a very easy way the Chiefs can find an advantage here. Uh, the Chiefs blitz at a rate of 30 this season. That's fourth highest in the NFL. Uh, 42 snaps with that cover zero blitz. Not saying that you do that all game. Obviously, Lamar Jackson's going to be able to make plays and, and, and show last week, if you, if you blitz me, I can still make plays too. Yeah. But dialing it up uh, decisively, you know, mm-hmm. making sure when you do, it's on big downs and, and, and downs where you know you might be able to catch them off guard. Um, offensively, it's got to be with the receiving core, um, and, and they've got to be as productive as they have been over the last couple weeks, and, and in particular, um, outside the numbers. 
Uh, they were much better this year outside of numbers, ranking 15th in yards per attempt with 7.4 and third down and third in completion rate at 69%. So they're having a lot more success uh, finding uh, those those kind of out routes, those quick curl routes uh, on the outside of the numbers. I think if they do that, a lot quicker way to get the ball out with a Ravens defense that sends a lot of pressure, led the NFL in sacks. Um, you've got to be able to counter that. Get the ball out quick and make sure that they are now having to adjust to the way you yeah. play. Um, so those are my two ways for the Chiefs to have a better a better shot at this one. We'll give our X factors here in a minute as well. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, let's let's move to him now. Is thirteen and three in the playoffs and two and zero as an underdog. Uh, or, yes, in in the playoffs as well, I should say. Yeah. And the Chiefs are undefeated this season when Mahomes boasts a 86 or better passer rating. That's pretty impressive. Uh, what do the Ravens need to do to stop Mahomes from making this game his? I think it's the same thing as what the Chiefs have to do with Lamar Jackson. Put pressure on him. I mean, yeah. We saw Buffalo, we've talked about it all week, drop back in coverage and just kind of let Mahomes stand back there and, and eventually a route's going to mm-hmm. come open. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't do that. Make him make quick decisions on his feet. Pin your ears back and try to go get him a few times. Um, and just you know make him potentially make a bad decision. He doesn't mm-hmm. make many of them, yeah. uh, but he only has to make a few in this game, I think, to swing it um, towards the Ravens' defense. So make some, uh, get some pressure on him. Blitz a little bit. You know, Try something different than what Buffalo did because yeah. that did not work no, at, yeah. all. No, not at all. Uh, he was outstanding against Buffalo because they, yeah. they never put any pressure on him. Uh, stop the run game. Do not let it get going. So it's the opposite of what the Chiefs have to do. If you make them one-dimensional, I think you have a better chance of winning this game and you just drop back in coverage and you can play all those little drag routes that Travis Kelsey likes to run on third downs um, and also – Mark Rasheed Rice, make sure that you yeah. have a guy on him uh, as well. And then the last one for me is play good defense on the back end. Don't don't get caught up in penalties. Yeah, uh, the costly penalties. I mean, again, could swing a game. Uh, you know, if you have a chance to stop Kansas City, don't get a holding penalty. Don't mm-hmm. get a pass interference penalty if you can help it. Um, you know, just play sound defense, play clean defense. Um, and I think you give yourself a good chance to win this game. Yeah. So the Ravens had a thirty-two point eight percent pressure rate this year. That's eighth best in the NFL. And I think when you watch that Bills game last week, uh, it, you, you kind of ask yourself, why are the Bills not even attempting to put some pressure on Mahomes? They, they were just dropping try. back in coverage. And that's then allowing some of those receivers to come off those routes. Mahomes able to now roll out of the pocket and make those just historic, uh, heroic plays that he yeah. does off script. So they've got to do a, a really good job of containing Mahomes. And I know that might be easier said than done, but sending four-man fronts, five-man fronts, sending some pressure to where he's not sitting back there all day. Um, and they've done a really good job this season with their front, um, adding guys like Jadavion Clowney, who's had a really good year. Um, it, it's crazy that he, that guy's still playing at a level that he is yeah. at, this, at this point in his career. Um, but put pressure on Mahomes. Don't let him just sit back there and do what he wants. You right. saw last week in Buffalo – Poor defensive scheme, and the Chiefs come out of there with a win on the road. Um, so you've got to do that. I think you've just got to send some pressure. And if you want to drop back in coverage, do a cover two, cover three, but still send four to five guys uh, every time to where at least you have some guys and some pressure coming at them. Uh, I think that was a really big miss for the Bills last week and, and really was one of the reasons why they lost that game, just a lack of pressure. Um so what are the uh, let's see what who are the X factors for each team in this one I should say for the Ravens uh, I think it's the defensive line uh, as a whole uh, and it's for number one collapsing the pocket on Mahomes mm-hmm. not doing what Buffalo did and letting him stand back there and then roll out and make a play uh, making pressure on that end but also stopping the run uh, and just making sure they can't 
move the ball in chunks like they did against Buffalo. I think that's a big reason why they won that game in Buffalo is just because they were able to get chunk play after chunk play. It was eight yards here, 12 yards mm-hmm. here, 14 yards. Um, if you can stop those, keep them to minimal gains, I think that goes a long way. And then you can pin your ears back as a defensive line and try to go get Mahomes or yeah. at least maintain him inside the pocket and make him make a play, potentially give your, your back-end guys a chance to, to make a big play as well. Um, and then for the Chiefs, I had two, Rasheed Rice and Chris Jones. Okay. Uh, Rasheed Rice, an electric playmaker over the course of the past several weeks. He has grown a ton uh, over the course of this season for Kansas City, and he's becoming the kind of number one electric guy that Kansas City lacked, I yeah. think, for most of the year. Um, and in a game like this, against a defensive unit like this, and this is the biggest opportunity for him to go out and, and make a splash mm-hmm. um, and to make an impactful play, and I think he has the skill set to do so. Yeah. Um, and he absolutely could swing this game with a big play, which the Ravens don't give up many of. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can even get one or two in this game, I think he could swing it your way. Um, and then we know what Chris Jones brings to the yes, table. Yeah. Uh, elite on the defensive line. I think he's going to be the number one pressure guy in the face of Lamar Jackson in this game. Uh, you clog up his, his vision of the field keep him inside the pocket, um, and then, let, again, let your back-end guys go make a play. We know those DBs can go make plays. Uh, Sneed, McDuffie, mm-hmm. even the linebackers can get up and make plays as well. Um, so just do what you do best, put pressure on Lamar Jackson, and you could absolutely swing this game. Yeah. All right, so for the Chiefs, to me, I think it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yeah. Um, so Scantling had only five receptions of 20 or more yards this season and dropped four passes on those type of plays during the regular season. Last week in the divisional round, he had two catches for more than 30 yards. He's got to be able to play a key role tomorrow or Sunday, I should say, um, because we know what Rasheed Rice has turned into. We know what Travis Kelsey is. But if Marquez Valdez-Scantling can repeat what he did against the Bills, that gives the Chiefs another weapon. And that and that that's three guys now yeah. where it's kind of gone from this season. You had Kelsey and then Crickets. And then middle of the season, it was Kelsey and, okay, Rasheed Rice is kind of good. And by the end of the season, it was Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. Now, if Marquez Valdez-Scantling is able to come in there and get that similar production as he did last week, that's three guys. And, th- and that's that's a serviceable unit. Um, that is a unit that you have to guard and defend and respect now. So um, I-, I think he's a guy that's got to get going, um, especially down the field and also he cannot drop passes. No one on this Chiefs team can drop passes no. in this game. Um they had a problem with it all season long. Uh, cannot have it in a game like this. And my other guy is, is going to be Justice Hill, running back for the Ravens. Now, I know that might be an obscure one, but when I was talking about earlier, the Chiefs are going to have to send a lot of pressure on Mahomes, especially trying to make him make those quick decisions. And last week, uh, Justice Hill, not the main back, he's the guy behind Gus Edwards, um, but he's a guy that can come in out of the out of the backfield, catch some of those check down passes. That's a chunk gain of eight plus yards, five plus yards, just keeping the rhythm going. Uh, and last week, he had 15 total touches, turned that into seven, 77 total yards last week, uh, and, and 25 receiving yards in each of his final three regular season games. So if they're going to be sending pressure, Justice Hill, a guy out of the backfield, good hands, can get a little bit of a production there. Five, it doesn't have to be huge plays. Just five yards, six yards, keep those drives going ahead of the chains. I think if the Chiefs are going to send blitz, like I do think they will, you're going to have to have a guy out of the backfield that can make a couple big catches there. Absolutely. Um, so let's do our predictions now. Um, let's predict the AFC Championship game, Chiefs or Ravens. Dawson, who do you have? I'm sticking with my guns. I picked the Ravens yesterday. I'm sticking to it. Uh, I think this is going to be a very close game, down to the wire. I give the Ravens the edge because they're at home. 
Uh, yeah. And I think I said the same thing about Buffalo last week, but you know, this is a, a Ravens team I think that is better than that Buffalo team is overall. Uh, by far, like I said yesterday, the best unit in the NFL. Yeah, uh, That's primed for a big moment. Uh, I think Lamar is going to be ready for the moment. He's going to make a play late, and I think they win. But I, I do think Kansas City still covers, I think, four, four and a half, somewhere yeah. in that number. This is a game that goes down potentially to a Justin Tucker game-winning field goal. Yeah. I, I know it's another big public side this week, but I'm going to take Kansas City here winning. Um, I, I Look, you've got to prove me wrong to not back Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, Last year in the Super Bowl, he was the underdog. Ended up winning that game, uh, a game-winning drive. He was able to do it uh, uh, last week, an underdog in Buffalo, a place that Deion Dawkins came out and said that it's nothing like he's ever seen before, and Patrick Mahomes silenced those critics very quickly. Um, he, he's a gamer. He's a Hall of Famer. He's the one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. Until I see someone stop him in the playoffs, I, 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 can't, I, I, can't, I can't not back him here. Um, and look, obviously – the Ravens are at home, a juggernaut of a team. What a season they've had. What a season Lamar Jackson has had. Todd Munkin has totally revamped this offense. They've done a great job. Um, and and they are the better team on paper in this one, I, I will say. Um, I think that the Chiefs have the advantage of quarterback. But really going down the list, outside of maybe head coach, which I think is a pretty split battle, uh, Harbaugh and Andy Reid are two of the best in the league. Um, I think the defense for the Ravens is just a tiny bit better. Uh, the the weapons for the the Ravens are a tiny bit better. If Mark Andrews were playing in this game, you could have a debate at this point in their careers that Mark Andrews may have the advantage over Kelsey at this point. Um, but I think it comes down to who can make the play when it matters most. And unfortunately, we've not seen enough moments for Lamar Jackson yet in these playoffs. And this very well could be his moment on Sunday. Um, but until someone shows me that they can beat Patrick Mahomes in a in a, a winner go home game to the Super Bowl I've got to back Lamar I've got to back uh, Patrick Mahomes here this game is a toss-up to me it's a tough one it, could it really go either is way it's like that game last week in Buffalo this game could go either way yeah um, and, and you know yeah Mahomes in the playoffs but you have a stout Ravens team I cannot wait I'm really excited it's, it's going to be a great way going to be a great uh, way. really excited to watch this game yeah um and, and see if it's if it's Lamar's time or if Mahomes yeah. finds a way to get back to the back to the grand stage yeah Jim Nance Tony Romo on the call for CBS uh we're gonna get some some Tony Romo oh Jim oh Jim oh I don't know <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love Tony Romo when he starts doing that <laughs> it'll be a fun one on Sunday we'll be right back for the NFC championship and we'll give our full breakdown of the 49ers and Lions right here on Overtime. Making a better vodka soda ain't rocket science. You just got to start with a better vodka. And then voila, you get a White Claw vodka soda. Your taste buds are about to get a PhD in deliciousness. JB Smooth only drinks vodka soda made with the world's smoothest vodka. Try the all-new White Claw vodka soda. Pick up a variety pack of their four delicious flavors. Only 100 calories, 4.5% alcohol, and 2 grams of sugar. White Claw Vodka Soda. Please drink responsibly. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at ParksideKia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, 
where your journey begins. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit RogersHydrantService.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. They are our love bugs and companions. They are our pets, our family, and they make life better. When we face unexpected challenges, so do our pets. That's why we're on a mission to support people and their pets. Whether donating a bag of kibble, sharing an Instagram post of a lost cat, or welcoming a foster pet into your home, every bit of kindness counts. Visit petsandpeopletogether.org to learn how to be a helper in your community. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Back here on Overtime on a Friday night. Thank you so much for joining us. A great episode so far and a lot more in store as we dive into the NFC Championship game. Just did our AFC Championship game recap. And uh, now we get into the NFC Championship. But first, we have some breaking news. Dawson. Yeah, a, a bit of unfortunate news for the uh, for the Big Orange. We were waiting on a commitment today from the four-star linebacker out of Forney, Texas, Kelvion Riggins. Unfortunately for Tennessee, he stays home, goes with the Aggies. Uh, number 27 linebacker in the class, number 42 player in the state of Texas. Uh, the number one inside linebacker in the class, according to On3, unfortunately picks A&M over Georgia and Tennessee. A big win for Mike Elko and his staff. Yeah in College Station. Uh, it's a tough miss, but I'm not really surprised uh, considering he's from the area, a uh, local guy, and it sounds like the linebackers coach that Elko brought in is the swing factor here. So uh, unfortunate, but again, not really a surprise to me. Well, so Elko, keep in mind, defensive-minded coach. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, a defensive player probably going to want to go to a defensive-minded guy. I don't, I don't blame him one bit. We uh, wish him the best. Um, so now the San Francisco 49ers will host the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game on Sunday in Levi's Stadium. Uh, the 49ers come into the game after mustering a comeback in the fourth quarter last week over the Green Bay Packers. Boy, was that ugly. <laughs> While the Detroit Lions held off a late-game push for Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Lions are just one game away from their first-ever Super Bowl appearance. One of four teams in the NFL without a Super Bowl appearance. Uh, another little tidbit there. Um, while the 49ers look to return for the first time since 2020 when they faced Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. 
Uh, the Detroit Lions are led by crafty offensive schemes, dialed up by offensive genius Ben Johnson, a guy we've glazed over here for weeks. Um, <laughs> he's he's so good, though. He's he so is. good. Um, but he does a great job with that offense and, uh, and their two playoff wins. Goff has lit up the middle of the field, completing 78% of his passes on his throws inside the numbers, totaling 347 passing yards and two touchdowns. San Francisco plays a lot of zone as well, 66% of their plays on dropbacks are in zone, the seventh highest rate in the league. So the opportunity for golf to break the the zone once again will be available. Uh, the 49ers defense allowed 5.4 yards per carry on rushes outside the tackles this season, which ranks 20th in the league. Not great uh, for a really good unit the 49ers have. Um, but they face a Lions offense that ranks fifth in rushing yards per game. So a couple opportunities here for the Lions to, to, to find a way to win and beat this really good defense. Uh, how do you think the Lions will face against a, a 49er defense that ranks first, or, or excuse me, fourth in offensive, excuse me, fourth in defensive DVOA? Oh, uh, they should be okay to, to have an opportunity to make some plays. Uh, um, I think they may be able to establish a ground game a little bit. Uh, they have had a good rushing attack all year long. Uh, yeah. I think that's been one of the strengths of that offense. Um, and if they can get that going, look for them to maybe you know open it up a little bit and allow Jared Goff to try to break that zone. Uh, the the Packers offense looked very good against uh, that Niners defense. Well, very good, in, in, you know, compared yeah. to uh, a couple other offenses that played against San Francisco this year. Uh, but they looked good. Jordan Love looked good in that game as well. And that was, I mean, he's a first year starter. Jared Goff is a guy who has been in this game before, um, and he's also like. I I said a few days ago he has seen a lot of this Niners defense over yes, the course yes, of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of these guys are guys that he used to see twice a season. So uh, this is a good opportunity in a for a defense or for an offense, excuse me, that has a guy that's seen a lot of these kinds of games, has been in this very game mm-hmm. before to go out and make some plays. I think it depends on the trenches. I think your offensive line has to play a good game. Yep. Uh, now it has been a pretty good unit this year for Detroit, um, but again, you're facing you know, arguably the best pass rush, pass rush in the league, one of them for mm-hmm. sure, Yes, uh, with with plenty of weapons across that defensive line and in that front seven. So you have to maintain the trenches, give Goff time to make those throws, but if you do that, I think they'll be good to make some plays and at least hang around in this game. Yeah. Uh, so, as I mentioned, those those numbers, I think the Lions have a couple ways to, to find a way to beat this 49ers team. First off, that's getting throws down the middle of the field to guys like yeah. uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. And what a season he's had. I think he's yeah. one of the most unre- uh, underrated receivers in the league. And Sam Laporta, uh, both those guys have been his primary targets. Huge hits yeah. uh, for them this season. Laporta out of the draft. What, I mean, that's, that's a huge hit for them. Oh, it, absolutely. It, it, a little bit off on a tangent here, but... Looking at these two teams, I kind of feel like the 49ers are more a more expensive version of the Lions. Yeah. Because when you look at both these teams, really good running back play. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, rookie. Christian McCaffrey, guy that's getting paid a lot. Sam Laporta, tight end. George Kittle, tight end. Um, some inferior, not I guess maybe not inferior, but mediocre quarterback play. Jared Goff's been really good this year. Um and I think he's better than Purdy. Uh, but when you look at these offenses, the weapons are more the guys that are the better the better players. I yeah. would say um, the receivers and Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, with with compared to guys like Jawan Jennings, I guess, and and Brandon Ayuk more so, and, and Debo Samuel. So these are very similar teams. I think just one of them is a little bit cheaper and out of the draft compared to the 49ers who have just 
bought these really talented guys. But a little random tangent there. But but back to the game and, and the way the Lions can can kind of uh, fare against this defense. I, I think it's getting throws down the middle of the field where Jared Goff has had a lot of success, and. Uh, just making sure that he's not making mistakes, especially Fred Warner's going to be right there in that middle. He's going to be eyeing those that that uh, Goff's eyes the whole time. Um, so you've got to make sure that if you're going to make those throws down the middle of the field, you're not just reading them the whole way. That you're progressing and and making that that that, that play uh, in the middle of the field. So I think that way right there is one way. Um, and also you've got to continue to run the ball like you have all year. Um, the Lions have had a ton of success, whether it be with Montgomery or Gibbs, uh, in running the ball. And I know this 49ers front is really good, um, but as I mentioned, they've struggled on on outside runs. So maybe try and get some more outside yards uh, on the run. And and I think those right there are, are two ways that they could get it done offensively. Um, and then we'll get more into the, the defensive side of the ball here for the Lions, and that's where they've been a little bit worse. Uh, the 49ers ranked first in offensive DVOA and have proved to be nearly unstoppable uh, with the loaded roster they have. Trent Williams on that offensive line I think is one of the most valuable players in the NFL. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, we've been through this movie so many times. Everyone knows who this team is. And the Lions are fifth worst in the NFL missed tackles, which you cannot be doing in the playoffs. No. And have been torched in the secondary all season uh, and the playoffs. You know, we talked all week. You know, Mike Evans had a huge day. Eight receptions, 147 yards last week. Baker Mayfield threw uh, excess of 300 yards in the air. Uh, Puka Nakua, a rookie, uh, put up 150 yards against this, against this team. And the Lions ranked 27th in passing defense. Is the 49ers offense too much for the Lions to handle on the road? Rushing-wise, I don't think so. And we know what Christian McCaffrey brings um, as an elite talent. But I, I think the Lions have played well enough against the run up front that mm-hmm. they can at least you know get some stops here and there um, mm-hmm. and limit him, bottle him up a little bit every now and then. Um, and that's uh, what Green Bay did to a degree. It's just kind of bottled up the run game, made yeah. Purdy have to make a play, and they forced you know a couple of short drives that, that led to them getting the ball back. So I think rushing wise, they can match up okay. You know, Christian McCaffrey's gonna make plays, that's no doubt at all. But you you can limit him, I think, and then you get over to the passing side, and we'll talk about Brock Purdy yeah. in a minute. Now, <laughs> passing wise, yeah, it's way too much. This Lions secondary, we've harped on it for the last few weeks, is not good. Uh, and they've not played well all year. They've been very shaky. Um, now, I think they do get the advantage of playing against Brock Purdy. Yes, uh, yeah. And again, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but having to match up against this group of weapons for any team is hard, but for a bad secondary is extremely hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it's going to depend on which version of Brock Purdy they get, I think. Uh, and yeah. and that, uh, that'll determine how it goes for the Lions defense. Well, anytime you're playing against an offensive mind like a Kyle Shanahan, like a Sean McVay, someone just one of the top guys in the league at calling offensive plays, you've got to get them off schedule and off script with some pressure. And the Lions necessarily don't do that on third down. It's more so first and second yeah. down, where they've uh, blitzed 28.3% on first and second down, which ranks in the top 10 in the NFL this year. Um, so I think that right there, a great way to get Purdy and the 49ers. Uh, offense off off track real early 
Um, because if you're sending pressure on a what was supposed to be a quick pl- a quick pass play or a design run play, and you're getting a loss of yards, that's putting them behind the chains. That's changing up their script. That's changing up what they were going to do. So in a game like this, where they're not necessarily playing with house money, but they're the, the underdog for a reason, and it's because of how dynamic this offense is uh, and with a battle against a defense that's hot and cold. Um, so I think you've got to get them off script, and I think that's applying pressure early downs. Yeah. Um, because if the you know 49ers are in a second and 13 situation, that's a lot different than a second and six, a second and five. Um, so putting them behind the chains, getting them off script, um, and, and, and just relying on some early down pressure, I think is the way to go because yeah. um, then you can play softer coverage deep and it's a little bit harder to get it down the field when they know when you know they're passing it, right? Yeah. On second and long, third and long, you know they're probably going to air it out. That puts a lot of more a lot more pressure on Purdy who we're not so sure on either. So, uh, I think that in itself, just getting early down pressure, getting them off script, uh, I think's the way the Lions can can get an advantage in this one too. Now, let's talk about Brock Purdy, 49ers quarterback. Uh, will Brock Purdy will this team to a win or will the supporting cast have to carry him? I mean, it feels like the supporting cast is going to carry him again. It's been a pattern, I think, several times this year that his weapons have elevated him a little bit more. Um, Now, it's a good opportunity, I think, against a bad secondary to have a breakout moment and prove us wrong, at least you know here on this show, um, for the past couple weeks. Um, But we haven't seen it yet, Uh, and and I'm not going to to say anything about Brock Purdy breaking that streak until he goes out and shows me he can do it. Yeah. if he cannot do it against a Lions secondary that has been this rough all year, I mean, will he ever be able to do it? I mean, this is the worst unit yeah. in terms of, you know, in terms of their rankings in the league that he's going to see. So if you can't do it against this unit, I'm beginning to wonder if you can do it at all. Yeah, I think that if Purdy is in a situation where you have to rely on him to win the game, then the 49ers are in trouble. Yeah, uh, that I means so that you're in a tie game going into the fourth quarter. That means he has a couple turnovers or, or just in general you've, you've coughed the ball up a couple times. Um, I think the 49ers have to rely on that all-star group they have outside of Purdy. And I know uh, Purdy's going to be the one getting on the ball, but a lot of that stuff is you know easy reads, quick passes, design plays that, you know, that put them in a situation to be successful. If you get in a situation where you're trailing like you were last week against the Packers defense that was – a little bit worse than this Lions defense is. Um, I, I think that's a tough and a, not a good situation to be in. This is a the Detroit Lions are here for a reason, and I would not want to be in a similar situation as they were last week against the Packers with a quarterback who's making his first playoff debut uh, this season at least, first year starting. Um, Jared Goff has played in a Super Bowl before, has played in a lot of big games. I don't think tomorrow is necessarily going to phase him or Sunday is going to phase him. So I would not want to be in a close game. And I think if Purdy, you're relying on him to will you to a win, I think there's already a problem. Well, and I'd almost argue that you've had several teams that have been riding emotional Heisman, Houston, Green Bay. Uh, But I'd almost argue that this is the most – emotionally charged team you're going to see in the playoffs because of the story behind it because of the fan energy behind it Mm -hmm. uh, and just what they've got in the locker room as well Dan Campbell excellent (laughs) at getting his team up to play a big game Um, and so I think that factors into it a little bit as well the longer you let the Lions hang around in this game and god forbid you you let them have the lead in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. I mean they're going to be all kinds of fired up and, and will Brock Purdy be able to make a play when it matters most if that's the case yeah um 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Let's go into our X factors now. Uh, also, just a quick note, Devin Booker's got 29 points in the first quarter. In the first quarter? First quarter. Isn't that crazy? So, Joshy Boy, uh, for those listening that weren't with us in the first hour, Joshy Boy, one of our favorite callers, called and said over 33.5 points and rebounds. <laughs> almost that already. And, uh, that already. Plus, uh, and to get to 40 points was plus 500. He's going to get to that by halftime. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to send a message to Joshy right now. Uh, already wow. with 29 in the first quarter. Good for him. Good, yeah. Good call by, uh, good call by our friend Joshy boy. On yeah, that. all right. And always love to see that as a Suns guy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, so who's the X factor for each team in this one? I have two for the Lions, uh, one on each side of the ball. On offense, it is Jamir Gibbs. Uh, he he has the possibility of breaking this game open uh, because he is that dynamic an athlete. He's been that good a runner for them this year as a rookie. Um, and I think he, you know, maybe the team's not playing with house money. I think Jamir Gibbs is. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, a pick I didn't necessarily agree with at the time mm-hmm. has far exceeded my expectations yeah. um, and has a real opportunity here to to be an X factor for them in that sure. offense uh, on the road. Uh, and for defense, it's obviously Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can make a big impact, same as Chris Jones, maybe not on the same level, but in the same way mm-hmm. uh, by putting pressure on a guy who is not Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think having yeah. Purdy, who we've talked about, is not good with his legs, uh-huh. not good at extending plays, and mm-hmm. really rattled when the pressure gets to him. Yeah. Uh, he can force a mistake, several mistakes in this game. So he's going to be the biggest player by far, I think, on the on the Detroit defense, save for maybe some secondary guys stepping up. Yeah. For the Niners, and I'm going to preface this by saying I, I wrote this 10 minutes before Adam Schefter reported that Debo Samuel will be playing in the NFC Championship game, mm-hmm. uh, but I said Jawan Jennings. Mm-hmm. I still think it rings true for a couple of reasons. Number one, how close to 100% is Debo Samuel going to be in this game? Sure. Now, he said in an interview earlier in his press conference that he's not protecting anything with his shoulder, mm-hmm. which weird kind of. I, I did not think he'd be back to 100% for no. sure. Um, but number two, if you fail to move the ball and you need to look elsewhere on your weapons – Jawan Jennings throws a wrench in this offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he provides a, a unique threat, I think, from the rest of those weapons and can be a serious X factor for them. Yeah, I, I like that. Jawan Jennings X factor there. Um, to me, for the Lions, I think the X factor is the uh, secondary as a whole. Yeah. Because um, if you're going to send pressure, that means you're putting pressure now on your secondary. Kirby Joseph, Cam Sutton, Chauncey Garner Johnson Jr., those guys are now going to be the guys that have to make plays. Um, and, and I think that if. If they're not able to play well defensively in coverage, uh, whether it be man-to-man coverage, whatever it may be, if you're going to send the, the blitz to try and get them off script, then that's putting the the liability in the hands of your secondary that struggled. And I don't know if necessarily that's the best plan, but in a sense you have to, you have to find a way to beat this team, and um, you've got to rely on your secondary. So I think the unit as a whole has to have their best game of the season. You cannot allow a 49ers team with Kyle Shanahan to just dice up a secondary like he can and, and, and very well could. You can't allow that. I think the 49ers or, or Lions secondary is their biggest X factor by far. Um, and then for me, uh, 49ers, uh, I think it's Fred Warner. Yeah. Being that middle guy in the middle of the field where – uh, Jared Goff likes to throw it to uh, more times than not, especially in this postseason. A lot of throws down the middle of the field. Fred Warner's going to be sitting right there uh, eyeing down everything Jared Goff looks at. Um, I-, I think he's he's the best, uh, most important player on that defense, in my opinion. He He's all over the place. And I think that if he – I mean, obviously Bosa's good too. But, right. um, but I-, I think that if, if they're going to win this game – 
they've got to stop those middle field throws, and they've got to get some pressure. And Fred Warner, that plays right into him on both sides. So Fred Warner, X-Factor for me for the 49ers. The Lions secondary, the X-Factor uh, for the Lions. Um, predictions for this game? I, I'm, again, sticking to my guns. As much as I would really love to pick the Detroit Lions, I can't. Uh, the weapons outweigh anything the Lions have at this mm-hmm. point. So I'm going to pick the Niners. Now, I will put a caveat that I think this will be another close game. I, mm-hmm. I just I have not seen enough from Brock Purdy yet that tells me that this is going to be a blowout win. I think it could be if he shows up. Uh, I don't think so right now. Niners win, but I think it's a close one. Yeah, I, I think the Niners win as well. I just think they're they got too much on both sides of the ball. Just the better coach, in my opinion, uh, playing at home, better roster. Um, I, I I think they win here. I, I don't know necessarily by double digits. Um, I think it will be by about a touchdown. I think the line what they've got right now is pretty fair. Seven I at think seven. Right, yeah. Um, and I, I could very well see the Lions get the ball back late game, have an opportunity to go tie that game up um, and send it to overtime. But I think that. That the 49ers defense has been so good all season. The the 49ers offense has been so good all all season. I just think there's too big of a mismatch in that secondary for the Lions. Even though there are ways that they can counter it by sending pressure, uh, they've just not shown enough this year to say and be confident in saying that they're going to be able to hold business down uh, on Sunday. So I'd, I'd also side with the 49ers. Um, and when we come back, we'll talk about Nico. We had a, a really good conversation earlier about our top five quarterbacks in Tennessee football history. We didn't get to finish all of it. We're going to finish it in the last segment of this hour. Will Nico Ayamaliava be on the top five list in the future? We'll be right back here on Overtime. White Claw is taking hard seltzer to new heights with White Claw Surge. At 8% alcohol, White Claw Surge is a stronger wave of refreshment that doesn't compromise on taste. Available in four bold waves of flavor like ripe blackberry, citrusy blood orange, zesty natural lime, and tart cranberry. Check out your favorite retailer in-store and online for the White Claw Surge Variety 12-pack and 16-ounce single-serve cans. White Claw Surge, please drink responsibly. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows, get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at North Knox Siding and Windows. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. 
Are you ready to make your dream home a reality? Hi, I'm Bo Kregner, and here at the Kregner Group at Realty Executives, we know that finding the perfect home is more than just a transaction. It's about finding your sanctuary, your future, your happiness. Our team is dedicated to guiding you every step of the way, ensuring a smooth and stress-free journey towards home ownership. Whether you're buying, selling, or investing, we're here to help. Call me anytime at 865-742-1035 or just visit us online at bonoshouses.com. Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers new sewer maintenance program complete with mapping cleaning and camera inspecting visit rogershydrantservice.com Back here on Overtime on a Friday night. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, great episode today. Great calls. And uh, we had a great segment earlier. We were talking about the best in the big orange. Our, our, uh, Dawson and I did our top five quarterbacks to ever wear a Tennessee volunteer uniform. And, and we had a couple questions prepared for after we gave our list. And uh, one of them was if Nico Imaliava will end up being on this list in the future with Everything we saw in that Citrus Bowl and everything we've heard about him coming into this season, is it fair to say, or is it, I guess, it's a lot of pressure on him, I will say, but is it is it fair to say that he could possibly be on that list in a couple of years? He has all the tools to make it onto that list. Uh, he has the measurables and intangibles, just he himself as a quarterback. Uh, he also has now a group of weapons around him that I think rivals any team in the country, uh, and that's yeah. in multiple ways. I think it's going to be a good running back room with Dylan Sampson heading mm-hmm. up that operation uh, and Selden as well. His receiver room is going to be the deepest that Tennessee has had at least in a long time. Uh, you're going to have two to three guys deep at every wide receiver position that could go out and make plays, mm-hmm. and I think that helps. You're going to have a sturdy offensive line, a veteran offensive line that's played a lot of football um, that is ready to protect him uh, and, and back up the good offensive line play that we saw a couple years ago uh, with, with Hendon Hooker at the helm um, and just allow him to, to settle in and, and be ready to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to be running for his life, hopefully. No, we hopefully. hope not. <laughs> hopefully um, not. And you've got a bunch of big moments coming up as well that he could kind of plant his flag, plant mm-hmm. his plant his trademark wins. So you've got at Oklahoma this fall, yeah. which is going to be a pretty big game. Both teams likely going to be ranked somewhere inside the top 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. You've got games against Florida and Georgia and Alabama and all, mm-hmm. all the big opponents coming up. Um, so just plenty of opportunities for him to, to etch his name in the history books. Obviously got a great start. We're all really excited um, and to see where he goes from here. And I think he's got a great, uh, great set of tools ready for him. Yeah, and look, one game does not mean everything. The, the no. Citrus Bowl does not mean that he's going to be uh, the the All Star Hall of Famer, you know, that we everyone thinks he can be. But what I saw in that game is a freshman quarterback that came in there against the top ranked defense in college football, by the way, and he was poised, uh, 
He was accurate. He was had some great pocket awareness, which is hard to really register as a freshman in college football. And his shiftiness and ability to move around in the pocket and outside of it was something that I've not seen from a freshman quarterback like that in a long time. Really, I can't think of it off the top of my head. So you combine that going into this season with a veteran offensive line, return Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans, John Campbell Jr. You add Zalance Hurd in the mix, a huge, beefy 6'6", 340-pound lineman. That's what you – that's your foundation. And then you return Brew McCoy, your most reliable receiver over the past couple of years. You add a guy in Chris Brazell from Tulane, a very lengthy, athletic receiver. Um, and then you also have guys that have been here. You know, Squirrel White still there. Uh, Dylan Sampson gets a little bit more of a uh, opportunity this year after some uh, sparing snaps this past year. But granted, he was backing up. You know, a senior and a, a guy off to the NFL. Yeah. Um, offensively, you have all the tools to be really successful this mm-hmm. year. Um, I don't think the 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 schedule is hard per se. I think it actually kind of fits well for Tennessee because you have that first road test, right? And then you come back home, play a cupcake. And then you get Florida at home, and then Alabama at home, and then you go on the road, uh, and and, I guess Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky Kentucky is back here. I think Kentucky's back here. Yeah, Yeah. you don't go. Yeah, so you get a you get a buy, and I think you go to Mississippi State. Yeah, you have Mississippi State here too. Okay, hold on. Where I think Kentucky's here. It should be Arkansas. Arkansas Arkansas is in Fayetteville. Yes. So I think you get a buy, and then you have at Arkansas, and then you finish out the rest of your season with you know Kentucky, Vanderbilt. Mississippi State and uh, and you have Georgia. Trip That'd be your, yeah, yeah. Georgia would be the big one, but I think it bodes well because you have you have some some opportunities to to retool some things in between your big games. And yeah. obviously, Florida and Alabama. Uh, we don't we don't know what Florida is going to look like in that game in middle of October anymore. Um, uh, is is it in October still? I think it. It's later I, than I, it okay, has yeah, been. Yeah, yeah, because it's not in September. I know. No, it, I it's think not. It, yeah, because uh, look at their schedule. You have no idea how oh. they're coming into that one, and also playing in Neyland. If they're coming in limping, that could be a good opportunity to to retool and work on some things right before you face Alabama. Yeah. Talk about momentum as well. You know, get a big win over Florida. All right, follow it up with Alabama this next yeah. week. I think that's a really good opportunity. So I think the schedule bodes well. Return a lot offensively. And then also what you saw in that in that Citrus Bowl is a guy that can play. So I think it's a fair a fair assessment to say, yeah, he could be on this list in a couple of years. He's got all the tools. He's got all the intangibles. He's got a good group around him. College football playoff now to 12 teams, a lot of opportunity around him. I don't think it's ridiculous to say he could be on this list, and I, I hope he is because we're, we're both here. We want to be able to experience it. Quick note, Florida is October the 12th. October the 12th. And then Bama's 19th, I think correct? Bama's the yeah, third Saturday okay. in October like normal. Okay, okay. Um, but with all that, does Nico have too much pressure on him to live up to these expectations? Uh, it remains to be seen, I think. Uh, again, you can't base it all on one game. Now, in that game, I'm with you. I kind of wondered how nervous he would look in that game, mm-hmm. You know how much he would react to the moment. Um, and I felt like he was poised. It did not look like his first start no. by any means. No. Uh, he looked more than comfortable, more than ready to run this kind of offense. I thought that was a big thing as well. Mm-hmm. We've talked on that before. Just how up, up-tempo I think the offense looked again. Uh, it, was, it was the the best flash I've seen of the tempo that Hypo likes to run since yeah. Hendon Hooker was the yeah, guy under yeah. center. 
Um, so I think that was big in that game as well. He, he's ready not only to grow into his own mold as a quarterback, but also grow into the system, uh, and, and that's huge. Your biggest tests are going to be those games we talked about, Georgia, mm-hmm. Florida, Alabama, Oklahoma. Uh, those are going to be big tests. Again, like you, I like the way they're spread out. Yeah. Uh, and I also like the fact that you're playing a decent non-conference game this year as well mm-hmm. against NC State yeah. before you play Chattanooga going into the Oklahoma game. Uh, I like that as well. Get him a bunch of tests in mm-hmm. his first year as the starter. Uh, and, you know, fans are going to want to win those games the most. Yeah. That's where the pressure comes from for me. Uh, if he loses to one of those teams, maybe people start, well, you know, he lost a rivalry game. Yeah. And I think that's where the pressure um, could grow a little bit. But uh, he has every opportunity. He's got a great veteran group around him. I think Brew McCoy and Cooper Mays are going to be massive yeah, for him yeah. this year, massive influences mm-hmm. for him this year, just in calming him down. Yeah. Uh, you know, if a, if a moment looks like it's going to be too big, if he looks like he's starting to get a little bit shaky, they can say, hey, calm down. We've got you. Your guys are here to, to play for you mm-hmm. and win for you. So he's got a great tool set. He's got a great schedule laid out for him. I think uh, – I don't think it's a, a, a too much pressure at all. Yeah, you mentioned poise and 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 talk about that citrus bowl. You know, he by the end of it, he was uh, flicking up with the uh, the cheese it the cheese it <laughs> mascot. It was the main event, and you had the whole uh, I'm Aliava family out there on the. I mean the. The crying baby, everything. It was like they ran the, the show. The picture with him holding the, the flag yeah. as well. Oh, man. It, it looked like it was the, the Nico Bowl, not the Cheez-It Bowl. Everyone was, I mean. It turned into the Nico Bowl. the main event, and he was up on stand, on the stage with all the players looking at him, smiling. It was a cool scene. And it looks like he, he kind of lives for these moments, and I hope he does I because hope he does. the moments get a lot bigger than a Cheez-It Citrus Bowl win. Um, but I, I think that he has shown so far that, uh, he's not too big for the moment, and I don't think the pressure is necessarily on him. I think it's just coming from the pressure from the fan base that yeah. they want him to be uh, good, and we all want him to be good, right? But, um, you know, I-, I think that if he stumbles up and loses a game to Oklahoma in his first road environment, we can't write the guy off from there. That's a very uh, tough place to win, Tough by the way. place for anyone you know, really to win. Really tough place to win. Tough place for anyone to win. Uh, you do mention the NC State game, and I, I totally forgot about that. Um, I think that's a great opportunity as well. NC State is. is not a great football team, um, but I think they are a, a serviceable team. That's a good opponent to play against, and it's also in a neutral site field. So it's not like you're on the road, but it's kind of a little bit like it. Uh, yeah, um, for me, it's it's not that they're a great team per se. It's more that they're not you know, Ball State, yeah, okay, yeah, Akron, yeah. these teams that you play at home, Tennessee Tech. I mean, it's a game against a Power 5 opponent, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be huge uh, for him instead of just you know playing your three cupcake games before SEC play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- I'm with you there. I think um, when I looked at the schedule going into this year, and, and even when you know people were griping that Nico should have played in the Kentucky game and you know should have came in the second half of the Florida game, blah, 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 I was like, let the guy follow the process yeah. of, you know, Getting and learn, getting getting in the weight room, learning the system, learning what it's like to be a college quarterback. And next to your schedule, you have plenty of opportunities early in the season to, you know, against Chattanooga, get the wheels turning. And, and then when you go on the road and play NC State, okay, that's a Power Five team and a ACC conference, and that's a neutral site game. Yeah. I, I think you have a lot of opportunities early on the season to see uh, what it's like, and he'll get thrown into the fire real quick in Oklahoma. You know, I think that's a good opportunity for him, and um, I, I think that him waiting this season out was the best, and, and and a lot of people may disagree, but I think it'll be better for him long-term, I and think I think will be too. Uh, Josh Heupel agreed. 
All right, that's going to wrap us up here on Overtime for a Friday edition. Thank you so much for joining us all week. We'll be back next week to break down the AFC and NFC Championship game results and the Vols game against Vanderbilt. Stay right here next time on Overtime. been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par well if i'm being honest that was